0: Welcome to In Orbit, the podcast exploring how technology from space is empowering a better world. Brought to you by the Satellite Applications Catapult. I'm your host, Sarah Credis, and in this series, we'll be in conversation with some of the most inspiring minds in the country, exploring the ways that the UK is using space to make huge differences to our everyday lives, as well as gaining a better understanding of its role in shaping and sustaining our planet for the future. In this bonus episode, we're discussing the National Space Partnership, its origins and what it means for the future of the UK space sector i'm joining the discussion today from the space symposium in colorado springs and joining me remotely from kent in the uk is ruth malas ray director of rmr consultants and the newly formed national space partnership from reading by andy shaw director and principal consultant at a limited and from york mark Priestley, director of map analytica the national space strategy was published in september 2021 bringing together the UK's strengths in science and technology, defence, regulation and diplomacy to pursue a bold national vision of growing the UK as a science and technology superpower. The strategy is a considerable undertaking and driving it forward will require knowledge, insight and evidence of where new interventions are best targeted. The UK boasts a thriving space sector employing over 45,000 people from space scientists and researchers to engineers and satellite manufacturers, from single-person startups to large prime organizations. Whilst this level of diversity in organizations and stakeholders breeds new innovations and collaborations, the variety of perspectives can cause obstructions in the decision-making process and delivery of conflicting advice. The National Space Partnership will build a much-needed unified relationship between government, industry and academia, providing coordinated strategic insight and advice to the space sector, creating an agile and robust approach supporting the delivery of the National Space Strategy. So, Ruth, um, I'll start with you because you've really spearheaded this project. Can you just give us an overview of the National Space Partnership? Why is it needed and, and why is it so important? And why do we need this independent partnership?
1: So, the National Space Partnership is a way of working with some level of formality across government, industry and academia. And each of those communities have got their own unique role in driving space growth or space science and having something that can sit across all three but not be the three, if you see what I mean, not be government or industry or academia will help facilitate a dialogue to create ideas and projects and programmes. And this has been really born out of um, over 10 years of government, industry and academia working together in different ways. Um, started with the innovation and growth strategy. Um, It's moved into things like the space growth partnership. And, you know, we're just at a stage now, we've published our first ever national space strategy, and we now need to start really accelerating delivery of projects, programmes and strategies to deliver that overarching programme. And so there's a need really to have something that sits in the middle um that can take what governments looking to do what industry can provide what academia can provide and marry it all together so the pilot's been uh, working on that uh, with some specific projects in mind which i'm sure we're going to chat about over the course of this podcast
0: uh, and just in terms of the idea of government working with industry and academia and having like an organisation looking after the threat, why wasn't this thought about earlier? It seems like a great idea. Why is now the time for this? So, so you've nailed it.
1: You know, I mean, it, it, of course, it's a great idea, um, but it's it, it has actually been in place. It's just not had formal funding. So it's been reliant on people giving, you know, working their own full time jobs and then you know, trying to do this in the margins. And so stuff could happen, but it would take so much longer. And also those people were volunteers from their own government departments or agencies or companies or institutions. Whereas having an independent body, which, you know, the aspiration is it'll be co-funded by government industry and academia, and it can then employ a very small number of people they are then independent. You know, uh, they don't. I, I don't come with an agenda of whether I think EO is more important than PNT or whether industry is more important than academia. I come with an agenda to try and meet the needs of the national space strategy as a collective. Um, but the aspiration is is that the, what the pilots done is create a sort of opportunity to employ some some consultants to work for the partnership and nothing else. Um, so I think that's the difference of where we've been in the past to where we're going in the future is that formality of uh, funding to, you know, basically pay some people's salaries so that they can um, do that knitting together of government, industry and academia.
0: And and how much is a difference has this, you know, the pilot lasted for four months? How much of a difference has having this uh, like independent overview actually made?
1: So. So, you know, and Mark and Andy should chip in here as well. For me, I think that the, the the two or three things that are really striking is one is pace. You know, within four months, all based on part-time resource, we're going to produce three strategic outlines for three market-led capabilities. We've produced a business case for the business of the partnership going forwards. We've done a sort of short task and finish in regulatory uh, understanding so I think the part what 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 you've got is the ability to do something, action it, set yourself a very short time frame, and make something happen. So for me, it's about the pace um, is one thing. The other is, you know, you you're just given a sort of different perspective by being able to phone whether it's NatWest Bank to talk about Earth observation data and investments, or the London Stock Exchange, or you know, an EO provider, an Earth observation provider. You know, you're just neutral. You know, we're picking up the phone without agenda. Um, I'm sure Mark and Andy have also got something to comment on. You know, the differences that they they've observed um, working in a pilot partnership program.
0: And and I should add here as well. You and Mark and Andy have worked together on this project for two years. Yeah, so we've been on the pilot for four
1: months. But Mark, Andy, and I did some formative work on you know market led approaches. You know, trying to facilitate an understanding of things. So. Yeah, the, the three of us have been having a lot of fun, I have to say, over the last three years. A lot of fun and flipping interesting work, right? But, you know, we've been working really well together.
0: And, and Mark, what, what's been the most interesting thing about this for you?
2: There's been many interesting things to uh, to be honest sir. It really has been uh, quite a journey of, uh, of learning and, and trying to understand uh, a sector I've worked in for many, many years, but from a different perspective. Uh, having worked in government, I haven't sort of been involved in academia during my studies and been related to a lot of work in industry. I've seen each of the individual sectors, but there is this 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 gap in the middle which has always existed, which can reach across uh, that triangle and relate uh, each of the challenges that each part of that sector will have in a way that the other can understand and do something with. And I think the real value of the partnership for me, has been the point of departure from which any of those challenges are addressed. Rather than approaching the challenge from the point of view of, of space, okay, here we are, this is space, this is what we can do, we can do lots of fabulous things, what problem do you want us to solve? Rather, we've gone out to the markets, to the areas where those problems exist, and tried to understand them a little bit better. And then bring that challenge back to the space with our knowledge and say, "Okay, here's a challenge. And we think space can answer this challenge in these ways. And we think these ways can be helped from government by industry doing something different. And perhaps in the future with academia, bringing some of their research forward and to answer some of their future questions as well. So it's the approach of the partnership that's really struck me as doing something very different in terms of trying to understand what the challenges are out there and how space can play its part and then specifically now that the national space strategy has been released how some of the challenges in that national space strategy can relate to some of those other challenges we've uh, unearthed and linking the two together to accelerate the implementation of the uh, national space strategy so it's been a a really interesting journey and working with uh, andy and with ruth has been uh, it's been quite a blast over the past uh, year or two
0: and and what's been the response then from the space industry from government and from academia about this pilot
2: i well i have to say that um the pilot's a new organization that sits within a space landscape that is incredibly crowded and complicated So trying to position the partnership and explain to everybody has involved a huge amount of engagement on our part. And I think there's still a lot more engagement that we would need to do, but we're still a relatively small organisation. In the four months we've reached out significantly, we held three webinars recently with over 150 people dialing into that. We've had uh, workshops, we've uh, engaged with people very widely across all parts of the sector. But being a relatively small team, there are still many corners we haven't reached out into. And so there's, there's more work to do there.
1: I would say just building building on that a little bit as well, I think there's something about, you know, the space industry is does, does these really big things, right? I mean, you, you, you can see it wherever you turn in Colorado at the moment, I'm sure, Sarah, you know, everything's big about space. But the actual community that deliver it are quite small, so they're quite protective of how, how things get done. And there has been some really good questions of us of, well, isn't this the job of the satellite applications catapult? And isn't this the job of the UK Space Agency? And, you know, isn't it industry's job to go ferret around and look for all their market opportunities? And in many ways, that's, that's absolutely right. But The problem you've got is that everybody's kind of shouting um, at a certain sort of volume and trying to navigate where to do the investments, trying to navigate where the crossroads connect and where you get the overlaps, is is just impossible to do. And even though some organisations try to do it, they're always then challenged with this sense of, oh, yeah, but you would say that you're just trying to get a bigger slice of the pie or whatever it is. But the partnership... Has just been saying we can engage in a different way, and you know I'm I'm not a space person. You know I I know rockets are pointy at one end, and <laughs> pointy at the other. Um, but I do know that they're hot at both ends now. I do know this, you know. So I'm coming up a curve, but I've surrounded myself with people who are space experts. Mark in space domain awareness. Andy in Earth observation. You know, uh, Andy German in a wider space community, Andy Proctor in uh, PNT, another chap called Andrew Davis in Satcom. And, you know, so I've surrounded myself by people who can listen to, I don't know, the London Stock Exchange about all their woes and then go, oh, but EO can do X, Y, Z. Did you not know that? And they went, no. So it's that that translational aspect um, that I think we're bringing
0: So really, the National Space Partnership is instead of shouting about what someone can do, it's about listening, listening to industry, listening to academia, listening for the problems and then providing a a potential solution that, that space can provide.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So it is a lot of listening and it's about exactly that, you know. So rather than, you know, sitting here with my big satellite waiting for people to come and find me, like um, the kiwi cockapo, but and how its mating program. Which, if you want me to describe, I will. But it's just sitting there with their satellite. That's one thing. But if you if you go out to industry and companies like the Chartered Institute for Logistics and Transportation, like the London Stock Exchange, like the Connected Places Catapult, like you know Food UK, and say what's bugging you, what's what are your challenges, you know, you can very quickly unearthed strategies around accurate secure location-based services um you know data assets for investment a whole stack of things um and it just needs translating and then you can then of course you can go get the, the companies that need to be in the room you can go get the academics that need to be in the room um, and and make and, and
0: develop the program. Well, I'm just going to bring in Andy Shaw um, now as well. And Andy, what's been the the most exciting? You know, apart from working with Ruth and Mark, what has been the most exciting thing about this National Spa- Space Partnership for you?
3: Yes, nothing's more exciting than working with a team like Ruth and Mark. It's been uh, it's been fabulous. Um, I, I come uh, yeah, so I represent a small company here, but I've been in Earth observation for 20 plus years. And for me, this National Space Partnership has given us a real time. T- Breathing space to look at issues from a neutral perspective. Uh, Ruth's guidance has been yeah, don't talk about widgets and gadgets. Let's listen to what people need right now at this point in time in our history. So I've been focusing on the whole issue of net zero, um, future sustainability, use of our natural resources, but from the perspective of the finance sector, you know, one of our other major sectors in the UK. And It's been amazing. You know, you you go into Ruth alluded to the London Stock Exchange. So your pension, Sarah, my pension, the pensions of all of us are locked up in, you know, funds somewhere. If we care about where those funds are used, what they're used for, how safe they are, who do you rely on? Who who rates those funds for you? And says, Well, these guys are still investing in dirty old industries, but these guys are, are looking forward to a net zero future. They're How do you rate that? And there's huge disparity over how those things are rated. You've then got the fact that climate change is happening already. Um, And we're experiencing seeing the experiences of that all around the world. I've just come back from Australia where, you know, flooding and fire risk is, you know, catching people out. It's happening more frequently than we ever thought. And so, you know, some of some of the worst predictions of impacts of climate change seem to be being realized right now. How do you get a handle on climate risk where these things are going to occur you know, what about historic events? Can we learn from those? What's happening right now? You know, we've always used satellites for weather forecasting. Um, could we forecast where future events will occur, such as floods, such as fires, droughts and the like? But also long-term projection. What's what's the climate risk profile going to look like in the next 10, 20, 30 years? And that's where, again, our satellites have been used to understand, model the global Earth system, um, and we've got some fabulous institutions like uh, the Met Office and the Hadley Centre that are great at projecting where climate's going to go in the future. But now the questions are a bit more kind of yes, but what about on this spatial scale? What about in the next decade or two? And how does that inform our investments as a, as a society? We don't want to be investing in things that make the problem worse. Uh, we want to be reducing our emissions, uh, but we also want to invest in things that are, in some sense, resilient to the future climate changes we're gonna, that are going to occur. So agriculture, um, our cities and towns, uh, tourism, uh, production of energy. Where do we cite these things and protect ourselves from the worst successes of climate change? And it's been really exciting talking to people in the city who have got some appreciation of this. uh, And the common thing they all say is we need data, 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 data. Um, But we know there's some out there, but we don't know always where it is. Can you help us? And so we're finding it an open door to partner with, with guys in the city uh, to say, well, look, we can help you. If you need our help, you need the kind of data or models that we can provide, we're here to partner with you, uh, help create a, a more resilient and, and um, decarbonized future. And that's really exciting, I mean, having that breathing space and time to look around the issue, talk to experts in their sector, and you know, without a doubt, there's a massive appetite for working with the space community to, to, to answer some of their questions.
1: Yeah, no, it's it, and it's really interesting, you know, because there's there's a relationship for you know organisations that you would not necessarily think about, like you know you 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 trot off to Covent Garden on a Saturday afternoon to pick up a new pair of Levi five oh ones, and and you notice the stock's really down, you know, for the first time ever, and you're like, why is that then? And well, they go, oh, there's been a cotton supply challenge, and well, when you start looking into it, the cotton supply challenge has you know, been severely impacted through additional flooding going on in Pakistan, you know, you know hitting the cotton uh, uh, production. And investors, investors are now saying, we don't want to wait to find out about a supply chain issue on my Levi 501s when it's hitting the store. I want to be able to forecast that and have some sense that it's coming a lot sooner. So I can mitigate on my supplier, I can mitigate on, um, you know, where, where I might, you know, send those 501s, I might send less to Covent Garden, more to Manchester or like, you know, other things. And I think that's what's really interesting is, you know, the advances of data are creating information workflows in sectors across boundaries. And the space systems are critical to that. So the EO data on weather, the PNT data on location-based services, the SATCOM systems on security and communication of systems, but it's translating that into a market potential that's really important.
0: And, and I know you've all touched on this already, but but what has the response been from industry to this, to the National Space Partnership, and, and in particular to the pilot?
2: I would jump in here, if I may, uh, Sarah, in that uh, the question is, how has industry responded? Industry is just a very large... Um, sort of unidentified blob in terms of where you consider it, particularly in the uh, space industry. But I think what I will say is that a lot of the people we've spoken to who are in uh, the space industry have really warmed to the approach that we've taken. It's not been trying to um, pose one space capability against the other and saying, which is better Uh, or how can we better market this space capability, it's approached it from a very different sort of way. And that different way um, is evidence-based in terms of we're looking at the issue and here's our evidence for it and that's why we're looking to actually offer the solution. But it's also unbiased. We don't carry any baggage with us in terms of uh, how we're doing it. And so we've had some really quite open uh, and revealing conversations with a lot of people that we've spoken to in industry but actually I would apply that as well to government and uh, some people in,
3: in academia as well who we've spoken to in the various uh, ways. It's probably, it's probably fair to say that it's still emerging as to what the model is and people are still asking the question, you know, scratching their heads, what's, what's he gonna do for me? Um, from my perspective as someone in industry who's also worked in academia and government, we, we desperately need this kind of neutral, independent non-lobbying voice that has real, has real technical expertise as well. You know, um, it's a complex space, and we're a utilitarian user of space as a nation, largely. And it's very hard to find the expertise to connect. What does the market need? What can the technology provide now and in the future? And to answer the questions of where should we co-invest, government, industry, and everybody in the right things, it's very hard to get a clear, neutral answer on that, you know, because you'll you'll. so um, I'm sure there's going to be some challenges for industry when, you know, as NSP moves forward and says, no, this is the best thing for the country at this time, it might not suit everyone's needs. But I would certainly say having that neutral, independent, informed view is something that's massively needed. And I think we're all warming to it as we go.
1: Yeah, And, you know, and I think they are warming to it, you know, as always, the, the, the concern that, that we're going to create a large body of space people telling everybody what to do. and that's not that's not the aspiration the aim is you know a very small group of people you know somewhere somewhere between 17 18 and 25 ish you know somewhere in that band but what's interesting is that you need people who can listen to space people and or an engineer or a scientist and go yep that sounds feasible or that sounds like tut but they've got the right dynamic and behavior so that they don't get consumed into the projects and the, and the engineering and the technology and the innovation, but they're able to join things up, you know, say, oh, gosh, this is really interesting. I've just had a conversation with this, you know, trucking company, and, you know, they've got a problem with trying to monitor X, Y, Z, and this data company over here was doing the same and knitting that back together. Um But in a focused way. So, you know, we've published a strategy. It's a very wide strategy. We now need to find ways of bringing the right people together to deliver it. Um, I think the other thing that's definitely missing is we don't actually know where we're investing at the moment as a big picture in the UK. We've got a sense of we do some things in Earth observation, in SATCOM, and all those things. But we need to understand the portfolio as a whole um, to sort of, you know, then direct to fill gaps or boost strengths or whatever it is. And it it's just doing all of those things without agenda. Um, it's, you know, it's a very powerful and informative mechanism if you can get it right. And I've certainly seen, you know, a shift in some of the, the, the behaviours of people around us over the last four months as, as the lights have gone on of oh so you'd be able to help create the outline yes oh so you can find all the right people that we need to speak to and go yes that's right
0: and and how was this how was this a uh, um, initial pilot funded
1: so it's been funded um uh in, by government and industry so government have provided grants Um, uh, to help you know pay for some people such as you know the three of us on the call and a few others Um, and then industry have stepped forwards and brought in some secondees who've all been part-time and we've also had some academics supporting us so it's been funded up to about 40 percent from industry Um, which you know considering we started the beginning of November I gave people two weeks notice you Know people have responded brilliantly in you know saying, Yeah, I'll come and have a go and uh, got their elbows out, so to speak. So, you know, you, someone's always got to pay for your time, right? You know, yeah. it's, it's just a fact, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think you know, I think it'd be good to you know, d- just to sort of be able to take it further forwards. I think it's. I've just seen these models work before. You know, I've I've sat, I, I worked in a knowledge transfer network, a KTN program. I was chief operating officer at the Aerospace Technology Institute. And I know it's, it's foolhardy to say I was busy. I was really busy, but you've got to be busy doing something of value. And you end up being in this place where you're the only group of people who can strategically position something against the bigger picture because you're the ones who can see how it all fits together. And I think that's really important. And the Space Agency has done some of this, but the reality is, is that the Space Agency is government, and so it isn't entirely neutral in, in its endeavours.
0: And in terms of where we are now, and this is open to all three of you, in terms of the National Space Partnership, we've had this pilot. Um, uh, where, where do we go now? What's the, the next steps? What's your hopes for the next steps?
1: So on Monday, we're running um, a big event. We've got uh, speakers from government, industry and academia, speakers from the partnership to sort of talk about the partnership strategically and its aims and ambitions. And discussions are uh, in play around, um, you know, a transition period towards a permanent um, partnership you know, um, Bayes particularly, and the space agency and the MOD actually, all three of them have been very open about the need for a mechanism that helps connect, catalyse, you know, consult um, in a sort of expedient and transparent way with the diversity of the the UK. Um, so there's, you know, a need from government has recognised its need. Um, so the hope is is that we go into a transition phase. Followed by you know a you know a permanent uh, offering, um, and you know Nirvana for me looks like it's co-funded by government, industry, and academia. How that will actually work in reality, who knows? Um, you know you've got to sort of think those things through. But it's been amazing. You know the the space industry, as you know as well, I'm sure the energy in Colorado is phenomenal at the moment. It's it is a sector that's bothered about what it does, and it always wants to do better, it always wants to do more.
2: Uh, I think the Space Partnership has uh, done enough to, to rest on our laurels a little bit, and actually use that as a, a, a platform to leap forward through the transition into, uh, into the, its future role. Certainly looking at the work we've done with people such as Manchester City Council, Belfast uh, and Birmingham, Uh, looking at smarter greener cities and how space can integrate with the challenges they have there it's been really really quite insightful we've also demonstrated that um, given a task we can clarify the task and go out there and respond to it the example there being uh, we went out in just a couple of weeks and spoke to most people on the space flights regulatory council uh, and really tried to work out what were the key areas in a space regulatory framework that people really could engage with and thought were positive and which were not, and then report that back in, which then gave a little bit of traction, hopefully, for uh, some of the future discussions on that area to move forward within the already existing seven other reviews going on uh, in that area. So I think space is changing, uh, and the UK needs to keep pace with that change, and the National Space Strategy has given us a, a broad direction to move on. Uh, and we need to accelerate that. But I think that the, uh, the partnership is almost like a, a, a bit of a babel fish in terms of being able to understand the challenges mm-hmm. across all the different markets, across all the different sectors, and bring them together in some sort of strategic insight to offer a, a simplified, understandable way forward that all the uh, uh, the stakeholders in the space community can buy into and take the thing forward and be competitive globally. I think,
1: and I think it's, a bit, it's almost a bit... It's as simple as trying to just get some stuff done, Sarah. You know, it's, you know, the space sector is it is really quite phenomenal, um, but they do like talking about what they're doing and they like talking about their satellite or their content. And, you know, thank God, you know, you need people who are really enthusiastic about what they do um but you know the, the space sector as mark alluded to is changing you know we're going to do launches in the uk this year you know we said we'd never do that we are going to launch satellites in the uk um we we uh, the uk now has part ownership of one web um you know this massive low earth observation low earth orbit um uh constellation you know the, the space community is changing and so we, we can't always wait for it to catch up with itself. We need to sort of, you know, try and help stimulate that dialogue and, and make that happen. Um, and, you know, I think that's what we're trying to do.
3: Yeah. And in my era, Earth Observation, we've we've spent years building some amazing systems, but maybe not listened so closely to who's going to use that stuff and how do we help them. And um, my what, what happens next with NSP, my call to my industry and colleagues would be get behind it. Because by uh, unifying and working together, we, we, we can open some really big doors. The McKinsey Institute, Global Institute, reckons that we, we, you know, the global community needs to invest something like $275 trillion dollars in physical energy and land use assets to become net zero and climate resilient over the next few decades. $275 trillion, there is a massive opportunity in there. And we're not gonna uncover the, the right way to engage if we're all doing our own little thing in our own little way. Um, let's pull together, work with it. And I can tell you, we, we, we're unearthing real opportunities right now with uh, stakeholders from across the financial services community and even from the third sector, the likes of World Wildlife Fund, who are all saying the same thing. We need this data. We don't have the skills. There's gaps in it. It's difficult. Can you help us? And we can respond to that better if we work together. So my call would be NSB can open up opportunity for us all as a sector. Let's get behind it. Give it the support it requires. And uh, I think in 10 10 years' time, we'll all be very, very thankful we did so
0: and and andy someone who's uh, kind of sat across you know industry government uh, and um private sector how how much of a difference have you seen with this pilot and how much of a difference do you think it has got potentially in the future
3: yeah i mean earth observation is something that you know we the science community is science has been revolutionized across geoph- geophysical sciences atmospheric oceanographic sciences we know it's it's a very important technology where do we go next um, well, you don't answer that question in isolation from what the, in, the industrial community is asking, you know, because the, the marine sector needs to understand the marine environment uh, and the risks of, you know, putting the things out to, out at sea. On on the land where we all live, where we grow our food, other sectors, the food supply chain. Um, I mentioned uh, tourism, you know, uh, are we going to have sustainable coastal tourism in, in the next, you know, 30 years? It's it's just bigger than all of us. And I think anything that... that, that gets the community pulling together, we're obviously going to not, we're not going to agree on everything, but to get to the key drivers of where next in the next couple of decades for our sector, if we're going to make a difference in the world, because if we don't do it, we've got competitors in the rest of the world who will do it, Um, you know, in the US, uh, you know, in, in Far East, you know, others will come along and do it for us. Um, we can play a great neutral uh, very well informed we have a world-class science base you know we've not, almost nothing better than our education and our research system in the world a world-class financial sector if we've got a world-class space sector well, why not pull all that together and work you know work together at it to, uh, to the common good and you know respect a bit of competition within that you know some people win out big some some maybe not so but um I think that's I, I think NSP offers an opportunity to to uh, to, to to put that into into practice in a, in a real way
1: you know the space we're trying to grow the sector you know that's what everybody's bothered about you know whether it's to do more better greater faster more fabulous science or to create economic growth and the sector grows through the design and manufacture of satellites it goes through the sort of oper- the the services the operational services was in orbit and then these downstream sites. and you know, what we're seeing is, you know, one of the primary objectives of the UK Space Agency is to attract significantly larger sums of private investment. Well, you know, Andy's just mentioned, you know, 270 trillion worth of dollars are required to address, you know, uh, you know environmental challenges. Well, you know, if we could attract some of that financial investment into creating the right data tool sets, you know, because we can tap into a different network and then bring the space community into contact, you're creating a solution rather than a merry-go-round of just thought processes. And then you go, right, so we've done that one. We've attracted in X million from industry. Government needs to bring in a bit to stabilise it, to glue the consortia, the programmes together. Let's go find the next one. So you start to look at the agenda items of government, of industry and academia, and you're delivering those agenda items by getting them to work together it's like a, a, a joint a jv for the sector as a whole
3: sorry just to add to that uh, and and while ruth is right and, and maybe you know we're not as neutral as we sound because we do have an agenda which is to grow the sector but um maybe that growth isn't what you think it is what you know it, it might be that in the way that we publicly fund weather forecasting and climate science that uh, you know an alan turing center for nature protection using earth observation data or the next hadley center is going to be a center focused on protecting our global rainforests there's nothing wrong i don't think with us accepting that the answer is maybe better public institutions you know the, the financial sector relies heavily on weather forecasts and, and climate science. There's nothing wrong with that, and we accept that our taxes pay for that, uh, and that generates value and generates benefit for the for society. But it might be as we move forward. You no, know, the better answer is uh, let's stimulate startups. But let's stimulate startups who are connected to the best scientific base so they know what they're talking about. They know the pros and cons of climate models. They know the errors in the data uh, and that we know how to make the best of both worlds, you know, to create better data products um, and value for people that need it. So I think that's what NSP can do as well. Uh, so I, I would, again, call to the science community and our public sector body, guys, engage in NSP because we're not, this isn't just an industrial push. It might be that we need to bolster and grow our public sector capability. Um, but it also might be that we, uh, we, we push, you know, a, a more of a commercialization agenda. But that still engages you because, you know, we need your data. It's got to be integrated into all these solutions. And I, again, I think NSP can um, play a really strong sort of pivotal role in pulling all that together.
0: And just to pick up on your earlier point, um, Andy, you mentioned about how, you know, making a difference in the world. And much of what we do in space, I think there's this public misconception that space is about sending humans to Mars and sending humans to space and exploring. And of course it is. But actually much of what we do in space is about utilising the vantage point of space to make a difference to Earth, to the world. And do you think this is, uh, you know, as you've all alluded to, this is just a a way of utilizing that vantage point more efficiently to, to use space to benefit so many more people?
3: Yes, I, I'm a geographer by training. So I, I make my living out of colouring in maps. And, you know, Love we colour <laughs> in our maps by looking down. But I have some great friends in, say, the Rutherford Appleton Space Laboratory. And I love going to the conferences and hearing about, you know, the learning of of the, of the, the earliest you know, uh, formation of the universe, the stars, the solar system. I think we are part of a connected community and the instruments that we build to look out to space we can use to look back at back down on Earth the data infrastructure the big data infrastructure that we've developed you know to manage data at cern or the square kilometer array we can learn from that to to manage climate and earth observation data as we map and model the you know the earth's surface so we are connected very much and i don't i would never say let's look at it as either or either or it's you know i reckon it's both uh, but let's connect together and see where we can help one another out because public money has to be spent somewhere we need to make you know get bit, bit bigger bang for our buck but at the end of the day, we live on this planet. It's got to be livable for as long as you know we are alive and our children and their children are alive. Um, I, it's an interesting debate as to whether we can leave this planet and go and find our future elsewhere. But for now, I think we've got to look after what we've got. And space is re- is the only realistic way of providing globally consistent, repeatable measurements and observations to in, you know inform what we're what we're doing to ourselves. Um, so it's it's critical and uh, but needs all, all the skills: space science and uh, and geographers.
1: And and to and to sort of not just to find out what we're doing, but to know that the strategies that we're taking are having that effect that we're really looking for, you know. So Andy's over the last couple of years been educating me on the, on the balance of mitigation versus adaptation, and you know we need to be able to observe those changes, you know, because some of this stuff's going to be a bit experimental, you know, and so you need to know, oh God, we're going in the wrong direction again, um, you know. But ultimately, the National Space Partnership is about marrying the needs of a government agenda, an industrial agenda and a science agenda. And it's putting people into a room who would never normally meet to come to consensus on how to go forwards.
0: And just to sum up, because unfortunately we're coming up on about time here, um, just to all of you, and if all of you could just, just briefly do this, but what is it What has it meant to you working on this project and and what does it mean to you in terms of the future as to why we're doing the National Space Partnership, why it matters and how it's shaping how space can benefit so many people on Earth?
2: Uh, The National Space Partnership is not going to be able to uh, achieve all of that, but it is going to make a contribution. Uh, And I think the way that it can do that is by listening uh, a little bit more Um, by being inquisitive and trying to learn about the challenges that exist out there and applying some insight about space and what it can do to those challenges to actually sort of move them forward. And actually that will achieve growth, not only for the space sector, but all those other areas, those other markets that we've been focusing into. Um, And having a position how to take that forward Having some uh, strategic insight how to move uh, an issue forward I think is incredibly valued because space is just a fantastic way of enabling things to happen. But we can't be in this just for space's sake. It's there to actually enable lots of other things that can happen because space offers a position that allows us to do all these things and facilitate everything else that goes along there. But it's getting that insight of what is capable into the areas where people are finding real challenges, marrying the two up to achieve growth and moving forward on the national space strategy. So I think definitely a role for uh, the partnership in this, trying to sort of uh, fill that void between the three parts of the sectors
3: that we've been talking about. I'll I'll leave Ruth the last word, so I'll come in. What's it meant for me? I think it's just helped me. It's helped remind me why I do this and how important a role space can play in society. When I talk to financiers who are worrying about their assets or insurers worrying about risk or World Wildlife Fund worrying about protecting nature, they're all saying we need your data. And we can often agonise in our sector about, oh, are we needed? Are we, you know, are we doing the right thing? And or, you know, we're kind of sense of, you know, we're spending so much money on space, we could be building hospitals or feeding the poor. We, know, we we have a role to play. We really need it. Um, I think it's maybe underplayed in uh, in the UK as a G7 nation. I think we could be spending a lot more. And maybe NSP can help us evaluate that. You know, because I'm not hearing that there's a need for less investment. I'm hearing the need for more help to get the data we need to manage our precious uh, earth assets whether that's in the ocean in the atmosphere on the land or at the poles Um, and that's worth a hell of a lot so NSP, this last couple of years the blast that we've had has reminded me that you know we have a role to play it's um, and it's not decreasing in importance if anything we're moving from talking about the problem to help providing some solutions that would be nice to feel that we can contribute to the net zero journey um, in a in a real tangible way and yeah that for me is just it helps you uh get out of bed in the in the morning doesn't it I feel like we're making a good contribution to uh, to our world
1: yeah and i guess you know it's, it's good to know that andy's learned to give me the last word that's great <laughs> <laughs> the last couple of years that's, um, that's the
3: main thing i've learned in the last
1: last <laughs> year well done andy this is very good very good um but you know it's about getting something done sarah that is ultimately what i really like to see happen you know, I, I, we've got a strategy, we've got a massive amount of capability in the UK. We have the potential in the UK to be a phenomenal modern space power operating regionally, nationally, globally. And we need to navigate that complexity, simplify it, get it into, you know, strategic outlines, into space programs and drive it through, you know, processes to get investment. And, you know, for me, the National Space Partnership brings focus, it brings, you know, uh, drive, and it it brings delivery to the national space strategy.
0: Wonderful. Well, Ruth, Andy, and Mark, thank you so much. To hear future episodes of In Orbit, be sure to subscribe on your favourite podcast app. And to find out more about how space is empowering industries between episodes, visit the Catapult website or join them on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook.